well, I'm just relieved to know that there's not serious squirrel criminal activity happening. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they didn't need to build a jail House. for all of the squirrel crime that was happening. They're not, they're not sharing their nuts. They're yes. not sharing their nuts. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> Do you love the outdoors? Do you love to travel? Do you love finding hidden treasures in towns all over the USA? Hi, I'm Joshua. And I'm Craig, and welcome to Treasures of Our Town, the podcast that takes you on a journey to explore the unique and charming towns scattered throughout the United States. Join us as we venture into some of the country's most intriguing destinations, uncovering hidden gems and local secrets along the way. On today's episode, Josh, we're chatting with a special guest. Her name is Megan, and she knows all the secrets of Iowa. Wow. I didn't know <laughs> Iowa held so many secrets. Apparently it does. And looking at the show notes that she's updated, Josh, wow, we've got a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited <laughs> about this episode. Fun fact, Greg, I was born yeah. I was born in Iowa. You're an Iowa boy. Well, then why are you living where you're living now? I'm an Iowan. Well, my wife lives up here, so <laughs> oh, fair but enough, I am fair I am a proud Iowan. All my family lives in Iowa, and I've you know, traveled some of Iowa, not all of it, because there's lots, mm. as we will learn. There are lots of nooks and crannies in this state. And I'm excited that we're featuring it because, you know, Iowa is one of those, you know, they call them the flyover states. <laughs> what, what does that mean, the flyover states? <laughs> it means that in, people just fly over me. them and they're easily forgotten. You know? oh. Have you never heard that term before? No, a flyover state. No, I haven't. There you go. It's yes. for me. Us in the Midwest, we mm-hmm. often are called flyover states. You know, everybody goes to New York and everybody goes That's to L- L.A. And everybody goes to and Vegas, New Jersey and Vegas. <laughs> no, New Jersey definitely do not go to New Jersey. <laughs> and, I guarantee that. Yeah, and they fail to realize there's actually something in the middle of our country. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Iowa yeah. almost smack dab right in the middle. Well, Kansas is smack dab in the middle, but Iowa – it's mm. a beautiful state filled with corn. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more about it because, as you said, I'm looking at the show notes right now. There's some yeah. stuff there I've never heard of before, and I'm excited to talk about it. We really are. We really. Meanwhile, Josh, before we get started, though, before we uh, in, uh, get Megan to come on, on board, Megan, Megan, I will have to ask which way to pronounce it. It's I Megan. It's Megan. Megan. It's Megan. Yes. Not Megan. It's not Megan. It's Megan. See, we call it Megan in Australia. Interesting. If she, her name yeah. actually is pronounced Megan, I'm going to blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, in Australia, it's Megan as in M-E-G-A-N, Megan, Megan. Well, if she is in Australia, you could call her Megan, but let's call her Megan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> apart, from, apart from talking about how to pronounce a name, what have you been up to recently, Josh? Anything different? Anything new? What's been happening? What's been happening? What's new? Yeah. I wasn't expecting yeah. you to ask me this question question well that's, that's because we've got to do some banter beforehand i know remember? we've said that i did but i didn't write any of the banter into the show notes no you didn't you, <laughs> you've, you've written there that i was born in iowa that's all you've written <laughs> and that's what we've talked about so far is that i was born in iowa well yeah, yeah. let's just say this this is very unrelated to travel this is actually mm-hmm. opposite of travel but mm. all summer we have been spending renovating the main level of my home that's right and that takes that's right. It I, takes a lot of time and money. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of time for, for for your wife, especially. I mean, she's been doing it while you have been traveling too. I've, I don't worry. I see the I see the Instagram pages, so and the Instagram posts. That's really cool. Yeah. It looks really good though, Josh. It looks. What's your favorite uh, update so far? Oh, the wooden floors. We ripped out. Yeah, you like all that. the carpet and all the tile in our main level, and we have covered it with real wood floors, maple. Mm. It's, it's maple. It's beautiful. Maple wood. The biggest the biggest question in that case, and how's Goliath handling the wooden floors? It's very slippery for him. Very, very slippery. <laughs> Poor little fella. There's a new challenge when he is playing fetch to uh mm. when he runs around. He looks like he's a, a little cartoon. You know, like the roadrunner when <laughs> the roadrunner when he can't get his traction. That's that's it's what's all happening. it's all happening, but nothing underneath. Oh, that's that's super cute. That's super cute. And where is Goliath right now as we speak? Is he on the floor next to you? Oh, oh there he is. Speaking on of him. cue, <laughs> on cue. That that was not edited at all. I promise you that. Wow, he is at wow. my feet. See, he knows. Yeah, he is at he my knows feet. We're talking about him. Yeah, that's funny. I did see as well, Josh. You got all your videos out now um, as well for the cash tour videos in Germany. That was really cool. Well, they're not and of all course we out. Spoke to, well, they will be by the time this is published. Oh yeah, because we're yeah. we're time travelers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they are all and out. I, I've, they're and all I've out. Seen them all anyway. Yes, they're I, all I've out. I've seen them all too. They're all edited very, very well. Even the last two episodes. <laughs> yeah, the last, the last two. I, I, I struggled a little bit with the last two, only because, as you can understand, and as everyone understands as well, if you're traveling on a trip for any length of time, whether it be you know ten days plus, especially, you start to lose that energy level. For your trip, everyone does, whether you're filming or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you didn't lose energy level on camera, but what you did lose is you lost the the amount of footage per, <laughs> per day. Where it got slowly less and less and less. So. Although that that last episode in Vienna was maybe one of my favorite places to visit. So oh, um, yeah. that that turned out real nice. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's really future nice. Josh talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, not really, because we think about it as well. Like we, you and I both have both seen it, so True. It's, it's not really a future for us. Yeah. But um, just talking about that one, the, the Beethoven um place where he was buried. You yeah. Can be, you can be you can be buried next to Beethoven for a fee. Uh, probably a very large fee. <laughs> you said a hundred thousand dollars in the uh, in your. Your vlog. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can't be buried next to Beethoven, like next to him, but in the same cemetery like where the tomb is. But yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah, it's very expensive. And you, you know who else is in there? Fal- Falco. Do you know who Falco, Falco is? No, inform me who Falco is. Falco sings Amadeus, 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 oh. Amadeus. That was his oh. big hit from the eighties. That makes sense now. The reason why you and uh, you and Daniel were dancing, yeah, when when you were at his grave, yeah. I thought to myself that's a bit rude. But anyway, but no, no. obviously you're dancing to his song. Falco wants people to dance on his grave. Oh, that he does. Makes sense it, I'm now. not dancing in joy of his departure. I'm dancing no, no, in no. honor of his artistry. Musical history. <laughs> <laughs> Was it just a one hit wonder as well, like Vanilla Rice? I'm a, yeah, Falco, he has some other good hits, but yeah, mm. he, had, he had a breakthrough album that hit the charts in the United States and that kind of skyrocketed him to fame. Right. So I, I don't know if it's a one-hit wonder, but maybe a mm. one, one album wonder, like one album yeah. really took off. That's fair enough. Speaking fair enough. of travel, Craig. Yeah. Yes. You are yes. about to go somewhere. 
I am, hence the reason why we're recording this quite early. I'm actually about to head off to South Africa. That's uh, so Cape Town in particular. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Have you ever been? 12? No, not at all. Not at all. So 12 days in South Africa. Um, I think uh, nine of those days are going to be in Cape Town, in and around Cape Town itself. And then we're going doing three days on an African safari and actually staying in the safari lodge wow. where you wake up and there's a giraffe just walking past your uh, your window or a lion's attacking a gazelle or something, you know. <laughs> wow. That sounds very exotic. And mm, I will mm. say a prayer for you that you don't get attacked by a lion. Well, yeah. But that would be kind of cool. It would be a good story. As long as, <laughs> as long as I'm vlogging at the time, like, yes. let's be honest, you know. Yes. If you that, don't, hopefully it'd go viral. Yeah, if you don't vlog it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> like That's true. I, I get really sucked in on TikTok on all the videos of people being chased by bears. <laughs> and they, you know, they're talking, hey, bear, hey, bear, hey, bear, oh, hey, yep. bear. Yep. You know, yep. Here, there's yep, your travel ones. tip for the day. If you encounter a bear, just don't run away and just well, ye- yell, hey, bear. Apparently- <laughs> Apparently, there's the three different types of bears. There's three different types of things you have to do. Mm. I think it is. So the brown bear is different to the the black bear, yeah. is different to the grizzly bear. You know, so yeah. maybe we should ask Canadians out there. Let us know if you're a Canadian out there, and they'd know more about the bears than anyone else. I'll be honest. <laughs> maybe we should do a so, whole episode about bears. Bears. It's not a bad idea. Bears, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> what what movie is that from? It's that's, that's be from actually from The Office. That's oh, the, that's Dwight Schrute. <laughs> I knew. See, I knew to be something with you. It's either television, yeah, movies, or a song. I watch too much TV. Know. I'm a child of the eighties. <laughs> you know what? Mm. Iowa. Should we get Megan on? We should get Megan on. And I just want to say before we yeah. get Megan on, I'm mm-hmm. excited about this because speaking of movies and TV shows, yeah. Do you know this quote? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Do you know that quote? I don't really off the top of my head, but I'm thinking I've seen I've seen it or heard it in one of your actual old That's videos. Right. That's right. It's the video where my grandma came out of the corn. Do you remember? Yes. Oh, Field of Dreams. Yes, Field of Dreams. Yes. Field of Dreams. So, that's right. That's right. So that's the famous quote. Um, you know, the mm. the baseball player comes out of the corn. If you haven't seen Field of Dreams, you gotta go do that. And he comes out. You haven't seen Field of Dreams. You're dreaming. Everyone's seen Field of Dreams. Well, Kevin Costner at his best. Yeah. And the baseball player comes out and he looks at Kevin Costner, who's a farmer in Iowa, and says, he goes, is this heaven? He goes, no, it's Iowa. (laughs) And with that, let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about Iowa and welcome Megan. We are here with Megan Bannister from, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Olio? Yeah, yeah. Olio, Olio in Iowa. I found you on Instagram, and I'm just so excited to talk to you, Megan, because I love your Instagram profile. It it checks all the boxes for me for things that I love. <laughs> How are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing well. Yeah, and I'm that's so kind. I'm excited to hear that. It's a fun, fun place to be for sure. Awesome. Josh is going to tell you too. Firstly, before I start, is it Megan or Megan? Megan. It of is course Megan. See, of course, it's She's Megan. American. See, I was because we <laughs> yeah. we spoke about this beforehand, and I said in Australia you would actually be called Megan. Yes. You see, yeah. We pronounce Megan. So I'll say I'll I'll, I'll refrain. It's Megan. It's Megan. Fine. <laughs> well, Josh is going to Me- tell you as well. What were you going to say, Meg- Josh? I was going to say, Megan, have you ever been to Australia? 
Oh, I have not, but I hear that y'all have so many big things. Well. That was one of the <laughs> one of the things from TikTok that people were like, "Okay, you have to go here, but next you have to go to Australia." Yeah, because so they're called snakes the- and spiders and crocodiles. You know, they're the big yeah. things in Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it moved it moved up the bucket list quite a bit, but now I have not been. Nice, nice. Well, you can reach back out to me if that's the case, and exactly. uh, I can tell you all the best places to go and the big things that I've seen in Australia, even it. the big potato, Josh. But anyway, oh. I digress. I digress. Let's get back to <laughs> Iowa. Yes, of course. You know, we, let's get back to secret Iowa, which is mm. after this book is released, Megan, is not going to be a secret much longer, which is a great thing because um, I was actually I was actually born in Iowa. <laughs> I, I have I have. Um, gold black and gold blood flowing through me and now let's just get let's just get this clear right before we continue the interview any further are you a hawkeye are you a cyclone or are you a panther see i have i have disappointing news for this which Uh-oh. is that i am not an original iowan <gasps> uh, i'm a transplant and so i don't care and i didn't go oh, to any care. of them no so i went oh, wow. to i went to drake which is in iowa but uh not not very good with the okay. sports okay. so i i don't have an allegiance which is always i for colors only uh black and gold tend to be okay. one of my my leaning but i i yeah iowa <laughs> iowa state game i'm always like i'm just here for the snacks i i don't care who wins okay so. okay well we, we can continue to talk to you then because you did say that black you prefer black and gold colors yeah. all right so megan you are from my understanding you are an author you are a a blogger is that right mm-hmm. and yeah. And also, of course, uh, uh, you have a very awesome Instagram profile. Mm. Tell us a little bit about you and your interest. And, you know, you've wrote a book about supper clubs, which I'm very interested in. (laughs) Uh, I'm really curious. I mean, I've heard of supper clubs, but I'm really, I want, I really want to know, like, what defines a supper club? How is it different from a restaurant? Whatever. But Megan, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm an Iowa transplant. So I moved here about, oh gosh, almost 15 years ago to go to college and then just never left. Um, I really fell in love with Des Moines, which is where I'm based now. And just kind of loved the size of the city, how easy it was to do things and get involved. Um, and was really surprised that there was so much to do. And so have a traditional journalism background, but kind of started writing about uh, things I was doing in Iowa and road trips I was taking just from like a purely for fun perspective of like none of my family lived here. I wanted to share kind of my new state and what I was doing. And it's just kind of evolved from there. So I've been a freelance writer. I've worked, you know, in marketing. I've done kind of all the things, um, but now get to do this full time, which is really, really fun. So, and then, yeah, it's led to, uh, I have a blog where I write about a lot of the places I visit, um, particularly like the weird and wacky spots. And then it has led to two books, which has been a really fun adventure as well. I did see those two books itself. But another important question for me is Olio in Iowa. What, what's, where does Olio come from? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in addition to being Italian for olive oil, which is not oh. the not the root, um, no? but people oh. ask about that one sometimes too. Uh, so Olio means like a serendipitous mixture of things. And so that was kind of what I like to find when I travel. Um, and it just sonically sounded really nice with Iowa as well. So that's kind of how how we ended up there and it's just stuck after all that time. Wow. There I you love go. That. So it's not olive oil. 
not olive oil. No, no, I am very Italian, but not. I was one of my friends was teasing me the other week. She's like, at some point, you should go to Italy and do like an olive oil, like specific spinoff. And I was like, you know, that just might be an idea. That could be fun. <laughs> very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. So. We are very excited to talk to you because this podcast is all about some of those hidden locations that not everybody always thinks of. And this, I believe, being a Iowa-born person, I believe Iowa is one of those places that mm-hmm. people often don't think about to travel to and to visit. So um, you, I, I'm just so excited. I saw the show notes and I've traveled through <laughs> Iowa quite a bit and there's so many things on your list here that I have never even heard of before. So I'm really excited. Oh, I'm excited. So, but let's first talk. You've written two books. Um, the first book you've written uh, is co- about supper clubs. Mm-hmm. Not, not only supper clubs, but Iowa supper clubs. So, my question, first of all, is like, what actually defines a supper club? Sure. So, that was kind of the like root question of that project, um, which I think is really funny because there's not really one definition. It kind of depends on who you talk to and geographically where you are. Um, and we were actually, when I was working on it at dinner with some friends and one of them is, um, is clerking for a judge. And he was like, it kind of sounds like the Supreme court decision on pornography where you don't like, you can't define it, but you know it when you see it. <laughs> and I was like, actually, that's a hundred percent correct. That is it. Um, so they are kind of like ephemeral. So a lot of them I like to usually describe to people as like kind of your classic steakhouses. You're going to walk in and there's going to be like wood paneling, usually like no windows, really low lighting. They're going to have like a classic bar area where you can get like your old fashions or lemon drops, kind of those classic like steakhouse cocktails. Um, A lot of them are very meat heavy. So you'll have, you know, prime rib and um, tenderloins and, you know, rack of rib in Iowa and Wisconsin. A lot more of them do like the fish fry because a lot of them are on lakes and things Mm. like that. Um, Iowa, Minnesota, you'll find more of the like pork and beef products. Um, you'll find, you know, relish trays. So that like crudite spread that you might remember from like a, a Sunday lunch type situation with your cheese spreads and your like pickled meats and pickled herring and that kind of thing. Um, and then some of those ice cream drinks, like your grasshoppers, your pink squirrels, that kind of a thing. So kind of classic steakhouse. Um, a lot of them also have some sort of a tie to either uh, prohibition or like mob activity or like gambling, some of those kind of more nefarious (laughs) things. Um, And so they're, they're called clubs because a lot of them started um, as key clubs. And so you would have a membership Mm -hmm. to Uh. go to this restaurant essentially where you could drink. And so in Iowa, one of the things I learned when I was researching for this book was that we didn't get liquor by the drink until really late after prohibition. Um, and so it was like 1967, I believe, before oh, wow. in Iowa, you could go and order a drink um, with your dinner. And so wow. a lot of these places sprung up because, you know, you were going out to a nice dinner. You wanted to have your, you know, lemon drop, your vodka soda with dinner. And so you would essentially pay to have your bottle of vodka live on the shelf at your favorite restaurant. And then they could pour it for you because they weren't selling it to you. It was your vodka. Um, Uh, and that's kind of how they got around it. So that explains a lot of the no windows, a lot of the kind of, um, out of the way locations for some of them. Uh, but yeah, it was a ton of fun to work on. And so the book is, um, kind of the beginning part is what is a supper club? What are some of those traits and things that you can expect to find? There's a pretty big section about, um, ones that are closed that no longer exist back in the day, like 
40s to 60s kind of era. Pretty much every tiny town in Iowa had one. Um, Lots of rural highways, byways, kind of those were where you would find them. There's obviously a lot less of those now. Um, And so then the back half is 10 that are still open that you can go visit and eat at today. And it came out August 2020, which was not excellent time for a book about atmospheric (laughs) dining. (laughs) Um, But all of them except for one uh, is still open. So that is really, really fun. That's really so, cool. And of course, Josh, just to let you know as well, all these links are in the yes, show notes. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Craig, but now mm-hmm. my just as she was describing some of that food, my, my mouth was already watering. Well, um, re- I want to visit a supper club in Iowa. Well, we're, we're recording this as well just before lunchtime. Like, I you know, know. this it's, is true. It's, well, lunchtime for me anyway, I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm getting home. When I think of supper, Josh, the word supper as well, I do think of it old fashion name like supper is very yes. old-fashioned name mm-hmm. so yeah i do think of that thing um as well megan as well as that you know the guys with the old-fashioned hats that come in and have to take their hats off as they walk through the door which mm-hmm. boys don't do these days you know what i mean like that sort of style they, they dress up to go out for dinner yeah. you know mm-hmm. they actually get dressed up to go for dinner so that's what i think when i think of the word supper so yeah i like it. yeah so it sounds to me megan that the definition of a supper club there really isn't one but you just mm-hmm. know one you know one <laughs> when you see one yep for exactly sure. exactly for sure <laughs> and they're not really clubs anymore would you say no. most supper clubs they're just become have become restaurants basically yeah right? so you can there's none um that i know of that are still like membership only based mm-hmm. um they are pretty much i like to tell people too they're kind of like cheers where like you'll go in and it's like everybody knows everybody. Um, like they have their very staunch regulars. Um, most of them don't take reservations unless you have like a really, really large party. And so mm-hmm. some of them, there's one up in Mason city that's been there for more than a hundred years owned by the same family. Uh, they start forming a line at three 30 typically on the weekends. Wow. They don't open wow. till five, but people will wait in line and drive down from the twin cities uh, to eat there. <laughs> and they have like, a, that's why they have the bars because then, you know, you put your name on the list and you get a drink mm-hmm. and you, you know, get some onion rings and hang out for an hour or two and wait for your table. So it is kind of about that, like leisurely dining experience too, which I think we're not as used to anymore. I think I've been to some supper clubs before. And and the one I'm thinking of that I really love is you walk in and what you see first is a, a display case just filled with raw meat. That does sound right. <laughs> and, and, and you, and you point and you're like, I'll take that piece. And oh, then you I go sit that. down and they, they go sit down and you cook it. Um, delicious. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that, that book is available, uh, I'm sure on Amazon or anywhere, you know, you can yeah, get books. Anywhere books are sold. But let's talk about your new project mm. and, and, the topic for today, which is Iowa, secret Iowa. Mm-hmm. So you are you've been there for 15 years. What motivated you to create this new project, Secret Iowa? And what is yeah. it about? Yeah. So I love finding kind of all of the weird and wacky spots. Um, that's just kind of always been what I gravitated to uh, wherever we were traveling. And so when I moved to Iowa, um, I think one of the really common things I hear from people both in Iowa and then if I'm traveling somewhere else too, is like, well, why are you here? 
Like, why would you take the time <laughs> to drive? And I'm a big driver. I would, I always prefer to drive over fly. Um, but people be like, well, why did you stop here? Like why there's nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've kind of made that my personal mission to disprove people who are like, there's nothing to see in the Midwest or in Iowa or in any of those places. Um, and so this project came about, uh, this publisher I'm working with actually has a series of secret books. So you can find, you know, secret route 66 or secret Chicago. Um, but they didn't have an Iowa title. And so it Mm. seemed like a really excellent fit to get to talk about some of the, Uh, secrets around the state that maybe, you know, people have heard um, about the place, but they don't know the backstory of it. So there's some that are, you know, truly hidden gems that you've probably never heard of. Uh, But then I also wanted to see if I could include some things like the Iowa State Fair that people, you know, is our biggest event of the year. Um, People kind of know that if they don't know anything else about Iowa for better or worse. Um, but I wanted to find, you know, what are some secrets and kind of little nuggets that people might not realize about these things that they interact with on a regular basis too. Now, Megan as well. So this is basically a guide to the weird, the wonderful and obscure components Mm -hmm. or parts of Iowa. I like that. Do you have one specific part, weird thing that not that many people know about, but you do and you feature in the book at all that you can think of? Um, So one of them, so there's 84 different places in the book that you can still visit. So they're all place-based. So even if it's something that was like a historical event, there is still some sort of a marker that you can kind of learn about it and still go somewhere to see more today. Um, And so one of them that I really love that since I mentioned the Iowa State Fair, um, is the story of Baby Mine, who is a baby elephant that after the Depression, like hundreds of children uh, donated money to purchase a baby elephant for the Iowa State Fair. And her name was Baby Mine. And she lived at the fair for like 10 to 15 years before they realized like it is very cost prohibitive for the fair to own an elephant. An elephant for, from for like a, what, 10, 10 days or whatever. Yes. Well, and <laughs> she, she would travel the country like they would oh. tour her. Um, and they had a full-time person that was like in charge of essentially like her care and travel and all of these things. Um, but that's one that people are always like, what, really? And yeah. you can um, actually, the another one of my favorite things about the fair is there's a museum. So you can go to the State Fair Museum when you visit the fair. Um, it's free. You can just kind of wander around and learn about some of the fair history, but they have a display about her. And then in the children's area, they have like a little playground and there's tiny elephant statues that have just like oh, a wow. little plaque. You would just walk right by it, um, mm. but it just has like a tiny plaque with her name on it. And yeah, so that was one that was really fun that like, I think everyone has probably knows of the fair, has been to the fair, um, but it was fun to kind of uncover some of those pieces of history that people might not think of. Okay. So you brought up the Iowa state fair. Now, as we speak right now, the great Minnesota get together is happening. I don't know if you know, Megan, I, I am in, I am in Minnesota. I have looked at your Instagram profile. You have been, I have been the Minnesota state fair. You have been to the Iowa state fair. Now I, I, we have to lay, we have to discuss it. I know. It's, it's, it's controversial. Which fair is better? Oh, it is a big controversy. And my, my Iowa born husband always uh, teases me because he's like, you're going to get excommunicated. Um, I do really <laughs> love the Minnesota state fair. I actually hey. just sent a friend there this week. Uh, Cause she was like, is it worth driving? And I was like, listen, it's pretty great. And she texted me yesterday and said like, it's amazing here. And I was like, I know. Yep. It's um, magical. Yeah, the Minnesota State <laughs> Fair is really great. I I do think 
both of them have things that I love. I do love the diversity of food at the Minnesota mm-hmm. State Fair. Like there is lots of very different stuff yes. that we just do not have. So yep. I love I love that. But it's been, oh gosh, probably five or six years since I've been. So okay. I need to make a return trip at some point. I have- I have been to the Iowa State Fair when I was a child. It feels much more, you know, I, I feel like the Iowa State Fair is much more connected to its its rural roots. Yes. Where where, you know, <laughs> the Minnesota State Fair is in the city. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, they have we have all the barns and we have the big pigs and all that stuff, but it's it's Iowa is more what you would maybe think of if <laughs> if you were to draw a cartoon of what a state fair should look like. Yes. But the Minnesota Fa- State Fair is very uh, dynamic. It just yes. has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. So for sure. All right. So gosh, Megan, we have a whole list of things here. We do of, of yeah. few uh, things. Uh, your top, I see here your top 10 locations and you have 84 in the book. So mm-hmm. this is, this is like an exclusive Craig. Like, yeah. The book hasn't even come out yet. Well, she it is will going to reveal it will by the time oh, this is published. This is true. What, what, when's it? When's the book being published? September fifteenth. It'll be out. Oh, September eighteenth. Is, is this? This is released. Oh, September perfect. 18th. Perf, perfect timing. timing. This is <laughs> this is the book launch podcast of That's right. Secret Secret Iowa. And I'm very proud of that. And but there's 84 locations in the book. Mm. Uh, Megan, you have a list here of the, your top 10 locations in Iowa. Now, is this, you know, this is subjective, right? But is this your top 10, your favorite, or are you just cherry picking out of the 84? This is, so this is my cherry picked list from the 84. Okay. And I tried okay. not to include things that I thought we might talk about otherwise. So this is okay. like a good yes. smattering, okay. but I also tried, and when I was working on the book too, I tried to be really intentional about making sure that they are like geographically diverse. As That's well good. as like yeah. diverse in terms of like, they're not all museums. They're not all like things that yes. you pull off to the side of the road for five seconds and then keep driving, like to try to just make it be a little bit yeah. more, you know, I live in Des Moines. I live in central Iowa. I spent a lot of time here. I could have easily put like yeah. 10 to 12 things about that, but I wanted to make sure that we kind of yeah. shared the love across the state. Well, these locations are, I would, they fit the bill They're They mm. must be pretty secret because I have not heard of many of them, but maybe, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit because there's some major, I'm, I'm saying major yeah. things in Iowa that, you know, people that are listening to this around the country, around the world may not realize. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to bring up the first thing we we're kind of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with geocaching, mm-hmm. Megan. Yeah. Okay. You are familiar oh, with geocaching. I am. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever done it before? I have. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons we love obscure places is because people often hide geocaches at at these locations that people are proud of that they want to bring Mm -hmm. people to. And uh, one of the places that geocaching brought me was the future home of James T. Kirk from Star Trek. Yes. (laughs) The future home. It's so funny. The future home of James T. Kirk, which I believe he's going to be born, what, 20... 20 uh, some, 21 something. 22, 28. I believe is the year. <laughs> That's March really 20, good. March 22nd, 2228, they have decided is yes. the, the wow. future birth of Captain James T. Kirk from Star Trek. Yeah. So this is in um this is in Riverside, Iowa. I believe yeah. in in you know one of the episodes. I know I believe in Star Trek Four. He references that he is from Iowa. And do you know the history of like why the city decided yeah, <laughs> that yeah. that would be the home? So one of the uh, Riverside City Council members, he is a big Star Trek fan. His name's Steve Miller. 
Um, and he was actually reading, uh, Gene Roddenberry wrote a book called like the making of Star Trek that had just like a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. Um, and while he was reading this book, he learned, uh, that he's supposed to be born in, and all it says is a small town in the state of Iowa. And so he <laughs> took that upon himself. And this was in the mid eighties, I believe, um, took it upon himself to check and see. And as far as he could tell, no other city had claimed the future birthplace yet. I love so it. he decided like, why not? Why not us? <laughs> and so he brought it to the city council in March of 1985 to like try to stake claim to being the birthplace. Um, and so they decided like, yeah, we'll do that. Um, they changed, they have an annual, a lot of the small towns in Iowa have like an annual festival of some sort. And so theirs was the river festival. Um, they changed it to Trek Fest. And so every year they have a <laughs> yes. Trek Fest. Um, yes. They also, their town slogan used to be where the best begins and they changed it to where the Trek begins. Oh, um, and so you oh, can wow. go and see, they have a historic marker that denotes like the place of his future birth. It's like mm. behind their city hall. Um, yes. And it's then, also, a, it's also a geocache. It's also location. a geocache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they also recently put up a like life size bronze statue of him in one of the parks. Uh, mm. and then they also have the voyage home museum, which is like a star Trek memorabilia kind of museum oh. to go to. And they used to, and it's not there anymore. And it makes me very sad. One of the bars in town used to have a plaque on the underside of their pool table, that was the future conception point of Captain Kirk. And I was like, this is so <laughs> funny. And I think it had sold and there was new owners and they probably didn't oh, want to deal with it. But as far wow. as I know, that one is not there anymore, but it's still worth a trip. <laughs> I did not know that. See, you that know is, all the secrets, Megan. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, all you the secrets. You do know all the secrets. You do. Um, well, Josh, I saw this sort of stuff as well. I've been around a little bit here in the US, not as much as I'd like, and and I'll be getting around a lot more. Um, but I saw a lot of this stuff on like TikTok and social media, et cetera, mm-hmm. as well. There's one thing, Josh, I saw on TikTok only, I think it was yesterday. And and Megan, tell me, have you ever been on this? It's the uh, the rail bikes in Boone. No, Iowa. I haven't been yet, but I it just, I think amazing. I saw the same video that like absolutely blew up. Yeah. So it's yeah. on, um, there's like a scenic rail line in Boone that has like a high trestle bridge. And so they run like a historic steam engine on it mostly. But in the last, I want to say it's like the last year or two, they got this uh, rail explorers and I believe they have them other places too, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of like an Alpine coaster meets like a pedal bike. And so Mm -hmm. it's this like steel carriage that sits on the train tracks. And I think you can either do it two people or four people and you pedal and you go like out across the trestle bridge along the train tracks. It looks so fun. It's been on my list to do. And it's, it's like an hour and a half or two hour mm-hmm. ride as well. So it's a yeah. decent, decent ride. Mm-hmm. And and Boone is pretty close to where you are if you're in Des Moines. Yeah, right? Boone's probably about like forty five minutes to an hour just wow. kind of oh, up north by Ames. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know you're you're, you're going to do this afternoon. Just saying. Yeah, seriously, I know it's beautiful <laughs> here. Finally. So let's talk about a couple of other very famous locations. I don't even have this on my notes, but we did bring it up before we. We're talking to you, and that is the Field of Dreams in yeah. Dyersville, Dyersville, <laughs> Iowa, which is in Northeast <laughs> Iowa. And it's just like the slogan. I, mean, I just love for so long the slogan: "Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa." Like mm-hmm. what? What a better, what what a great slogan for Iowa. I know Iowa latched onto that. I'm sure you've been to the Field of Dreams. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, a few times. So we, um, it, this changed a lot over the last probably 10 years, which has been really fun to watch. And so for the anniversary of the movie, I think it must have been 20th. Uh, we went and they did like a charity baseball game with some of the actors from the movie and they showed the movie on the field, which is something they do every year. Um, and they also do really fun like ghost player games where you can go and watch and they actually have all the players come out of the cornfield in the late summer oh, like they do in the movie cool. um, because very much like the movie, there was not a baseball field there. And so they built one for the movie. Um, And then they have since also added the MLB stadium that is there that Mm -hmm. they do like one game. I don't think they're doing one this year, but the last couple of years they've done like one professional game a year at the field of dreams. And it's, it's so cool and it's so fun. And that one actually is in the book because there were some cool um, like movie fact things that people don't know, like the voice, the disembodied voice that does the, um, if you build it, he will come. Mm-hmm. is completely uncredited and the director and producer said like he he will not ever tell anyone who it is oh wow oh um, interesting the scene at the wow. end where it's like all of the cars lining up to go to the field because it's like become such a hit they actually mm-hmm. because of when it was filmed like that's not cgi that is actually all of the rural highways in town <laughs> being filled with cars and they had to recruit like everybody from the surrounding communities and like broadcast over the local radio frequency so that people knew like turn your lights on now move like Uh. (laughs) it's just some really really fun interesting stuff but yeah it's it's such a cool even if there's not an event going on um they recently Mm. in the last couple years have opened up the farmhouse too so you can like rent the farmhouse as an airbnb and kind of get the full experience but yeah it's it's a really really cool spot that's really nice before we get into though the, the top ten, Josh, because we've got to move it along. This there's, there's a lot to get through. This episode Josh, can be longer. Come on, Craig. I'm, this is so this is so interesting. Megan, let's I'm just, the t- I'll try and be the timekeeper of the yeah, two of us. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't care if this episode's two hours. You know, we could Josh is the voice release, and I'm the timekeeper. This is released every other week. So we could release, you know, one half like one week and the, I, okay. I sorry. Now he's going. Craig's Craig's right, the producer. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. We're talking about the supper club before as well. I want to know about the food and the food in Iowa itself yeah. as well. Yes. So in terms of what is what Iowa food can you get only normally in Iowa? You said it's a lot of beef products and a lot of uh, pig products at the mm-hmm. actual fair. But what other food is, is specific to Iowa? Yeah, I would say definitely. So like definitely pork products. So like your pork chops, your tenderloins. Um, every year they do like a best tenderloin in the state. And it's when I say tenderloin, it's like the really thin kind of like breaded fried um, patty. So it'll be like the size of the plate with like a normal size bun, typically. <laughs> yeah. So that's and a really. And a tenderloin is a, is por- a pork, pork, right? Yes. Fried yeah, pork. pork. Tenderloin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like kind of like schnitzel, which I was like, yes. oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> pork chops, uh, sweet corn, especially in the summer is a big one. We were actually just out for dinner last night and the restaurant we were at had sweet corn ice cream, uh, which was oh. a fun. Yeah. Oh, put it in everything sweet corn ice cream like soft serve um cocktails you name it so big on our corn um and then the dessert thing that i always mention uh because it's one of our family favorites is scotcheroos which is like a oh yes rice crispy peanut butter bottom with like a layer of like chocolate fudge on top it's like a bar 
That's so oh. good. Mm-hmm. But like oh, dense Craig. rice crispy, not like pull apart marshmallow rice crispy. Yeah. And yeah. they're like up in the mid- upper Midwest. They're they're in all the gas stations. A, yes, a, a good quick quick trip or quick star will have those. Yes. <laughs> they're so good. They're so yeah. tasty. But yeah, those wow. are the those are the real big. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that I'm missing. But yeah, those are kind of the the quintessential things. I need to ask you about this. This is a hidden secret of Iowa. So you know everybody that. Is connected to Iowa is usually connected to some small town, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I, you always, whenever anybody's from Iowa, I'm like, "Where are you from?" And like, and if you're from Iowa, you know, you know some of these small towns. You're like, "Oh, I know exactly where that is. That's yeah. near Waver- Waverly." Or like, mm-hmm. they always pick the, the slightly bigger town, slightly bigger small town. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, much of my family. They're from Clarksville, Iowa. Oh, sure. Are you familiar with Clarksville? Yep. So Clarksville kind of uh, got attention because I believe five years ago, it was the home of the American Idol uh, winner, Maddie that, Poppy. That is which right. Was, which is so cool. We were so proud. Um, but in that little town is a, is a, of a little dive bar hmm. called Pete and Shorty's. Okay. Do you know about Pete and, Pete and Shorty's? I do not. Oh my gosh! I know a secret, Craig, that, that <laughs> Megan doesn't know, and yet she's the she's the secret author of the books. So, okay, go ahead, I'm Josh. Go ahead. Now. So you said you know you just brought up tenderloins. They had great tenderloins there. You know, everybody says, "Oh, it's the best tenderloin in the state." Um, but Pete and Shorty's was actually the name of Pete and Shorty's was sort of I don't know if there's any legal relationship, but they the person that um, owns Hooters oh. throughout the United States. Um, bought the name Pete and Shorty's and they have an official chain location in Florida and in Vegas. So if you go to, if you go to the Tampa location or the Vegas location on the wall, of course you will, it's all about Iowa and it's all about this small town called Pete Shorty's, but it's just a little dive bar, but they, but they've captured the name Pete and Shorty's and my grandparents, of course, were friends with Pete and Shorty, which are two two men. I just I was curious if I you knew anything that. about Pete and Shorty's. I yeah. don't, but now I need to to get <laughs> yeah. up there. Yeah, see, you got Pete and Shorty's. You got the uh, the rail trail, like the I rail know. bike, all this stuff. See, all these see? Things, you yeah. can do a second book. You can do mm-hmm. a second book. <laughs> Truly, I know there was that was honestly the hardest part was like narrowing down like what what makes the cut and like what is a good enough mm. secret because I feel like mm-hmm. I I kept having to ask like family and friends who like grew up here or have lived here. For longer mm-hmm. because I feel like I know about more weird things than the average yeah. person. And so I was like, this isn't a good enough secret. And my partner was like, I really think that it's probably fine. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> you're overthinking it. But yeah, no, there's, 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 there's 84 ton. secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get to the top 10, Josh? Or you <sighs> want to ask another question? I you just, want to go off let's let's talk. I, I just want to go high level before we go okay. weird. Okay. Because some of these are <laughs> some of these are weird. Um people need to know. That mm. the American Gothic house mm-hmm. from the famous American Gothic painting, which is hanging in the Chicago Institute of Art. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, Craig? Yeah, the, yeah, I do it's now. It's the man with the pitchfork. And yeah, his, the one I've seen. You and Reese actually re- yes, reproduced it at one time. Yes, See? Yes, I know we, these things. Yes. I he, he watches you. my videos. He watches my videos. Um <laughs> Which is yeah, the, it's the farmer and his daughter. Everybody thinks it's mm. the wife, but it's no. a, a farmer and a daughter. And that was uh, the house. The house that that painting was based off of is in uh, is it Carroll? Uh, Eldon, Iowa. Eldon. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you, yeah. Megan. Have you been? I'm sure you've been there. Do yes. you have any in, many thoughts many about times. it? Yeah. So okay. it is. It is one of like the most iconic Iowa places for sure, um, and is one of the. I think. 
I think it still is. It used to be the most parodied piece of art of all time. Um, And so that one is also going to be in the book just because it's such an interesting backstory that I think Mm -hmm. people like recognize it and know that it's there. Um, But it was just like a random house that Grant Wood was happening by when he was in town to visit another artist. Um, His home and studio in Cedar Rapids is also in the book, which is a place that I hadn't been able to visit until I was doing research. Um, But it is like a carriage house, essentially, that he lived in the upstairs of for about 12 years. Um, And it's managed by the Cedar Rapids Museum of Art now. But he was also, in addition to being an artist, like a metal worker and an interior designer and like was really involved in the local theater and isn't the reason that Cedar Rapids has such a big local theater. Like there's just a lot of interesting facets to his life that um, people I think don't usually get with like your American Gothic and on. Um, But yeah, this was just a random house that he happened by um, and was like a little bit judgy about it because it was a really popular style. So this architectural style is called Carpenter Gothic and it was popular in like the late 1800s. So like 1880s, 1890s. Um, By the time he saw it, it would have been like the early 1930s. And he was like, basically like, who lives here, essentially, Um, and had told someone that it was probably American Gothic people. And so left an impression um, with a lot like a lot of these pieces, he would have like sketched kind of something roughly and then taken it back. So he actually painted it when he got back to that carriage house um, in Cedar Rapids. And then the woman in the painting is actually his sister who sat for him to be the model. Um, But then the man is actually uh, his dentist because he needed a man to model. So it's his (laughs) dentist and his sister, and they actually Uh, never modeled at the same time. So they didn't meet until like 10 or 12 years after the painting was completed. Um, So he did a lot of his work that way. And then, yeah, it is part of the collection of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, And he actually entered it in, uh, they had like a competition for American art every year. And he entered it and won um, bronze, which included a $300 cash prize. And then they bought it for an additional $300 in 1930. Oh, wow. Which is like an that'd insane. That's an insane amount of money compared absolutely to Absolutely insane. Now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, definitely worth a visit. They have a really great um, interpretive center that you can visit. Mm-hmm. And then you can also, yeah, borrow, borrow some outfits and dress up like the the models yes. of American Gothic <laughs> and take your own photo uh, in front of the house, which is really fun. Josh the lady, did, didn't you? Yes, I did. And the lady that was running it that day, because <laughs> it wasn't that busy when we visited, she was she was so into it. She goes, I know the she's like, I'll take your picture. I know the perfect angle perfect to angle. make it look just just make it look just like the the painting. It was mm-hmm. so cool. It was it was a really it was an awesome stop. They um, <laughs> used to have you so you can go inside the house now once a month. They open it up for tours, which is kind of fun. Um back like, oh gosh. 10-ish years ago, there was a woman named Beth Howard who was actually a tenant in the house. They were renting it out to like artists and people um, for a little bit just so that it was occupied all the time. Um, And she was running what she called the pitchfork pie stand out of the American Gothic house. And it was such good pie. And she's still doing, she's actually working on a documentary called Piowa about like pie (laughs) in Iowa and like it as a cultural touchstone. I guess that's another food. We do a lot of pie here mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. but yeah no it's a it's a real good one 
and very different pie to the pie that we have. I'm, I'm currently in New Jersey, Megan, mm-hmm. as well, and they, they call pizza here. They call it pie. Yes, yeah. I, I, my family is from New England, so I – uh, uh, I grew so up in Chicago, it. but New York style pizza is the only type of pizza that is acceptable in our household. So, well, you haven't been in New Jersey then, because New Jersey pizza is better than New York. Ooh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, Josh, can we get into the top ten now, please? Yes, please, please, please. please. We can. Thank you. We can. <laughs> Let's do it. Because there's one, there's one thing on the on <laughs> Megan's top ten that I really want to talk to her about, and Ooh. I'm going to say it right away. Do what it. is now? The, the salt and pepper shaker gallery. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that, oh, it's such that a stood gem. out to me. Yes. Yeah. So the salt and pepper, pepper shaker gallery um, in Trayer, Iowa, is the largest collection that's publicly displayed in the Midwest. So there's another in um, Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, I don't remember, somewhere in Tennessee that is larger. Um, but this is the largest in the Midwest, and it was started all by one woman. Um, so a resident of Treyer, her name was Ruth Rass- Rasmussen, um, and she started collecting salt and pepper shakers in like the mid 1940s. And one of my favorite fun facts I learned was the first one she collected was a souvenir from Brookfield Zoo, which is in the Chicagoland area. And I grew up like maybe five, 10 minutes from Brookfield Zoo. And so I thought that was a really fun uh, little note, but they still have that one. Um, and so she bought that one, brought it home, um, and then just started kind of as you do with any collection, um, started amassing them over the years. And she like ended up, I mean, garage sales, family, friends who would travel and bring her things, um, just like an insane amount. And so for the longest time, they were all in her, like in a little shed in front of her house and she would put out a sign and people would come see them. And, you know, it kind of went on and on that way. And she never had enough space to display them. Um, And so eventually the city of Treyer approached her and she'd been approached by other people before, um, but she never sold it. And the city said like, Hey, you know, how do we make sure that this continues to be a thing that people can come see in our city? And so they actually purchased the entire collection from her in I believe 2007. And now it has a dedicated building that's like 2,200 square feet where you can see all of them. And it's like more than 15,000 pairs of salt and pepper shakers it is insane and i mean like (laughs) vegetables people any and all things there's a my favorite word because i love weird antiques too um it just goes with all the other things but like miniatures (laughs) like tiny 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 ones um Uh that are not duplicates but it'll be like an iron and an ironing board they call them go togethers (laughs) um and so those are really fun but yeah they just a ton of salt and pepper shakers and then um they have been getting them donated by people too and so they have i think they said like another i mean thousands in storage that they just don't have room to display that are either duplicates or weren't part of her original collection uh but one of the things i thought was so so cool was that she had like meticulously kept track of all of the different pairs that she had and where they came from um, with like recipe cards. And so she had cataloged all of them and like labeled all of them. So when they took over the collection, it was like, there was already essentially like a Dewey Decimal System of all of her salt and pepper shakers, which I just think is wow. incredible. Wow. The reason why I was so impressed by just that 
the idea of that. Well, my mother-in-law, she's a similar with her salt and pepper shakes mm-hmm. as well. She was so excited the other day. She come back from uh, going on a, a flight somewhere with United, and they got an upgrade. And in the upgrade, uh, she got like a, obviously her meals come out, and her meal come out, and she had a salt and pepper shake, little plastic ones, but they were little golf balls, a white golf ball and a grey so golf cute. ball. They're now pride, pride, like in, in pride spot in her house, up As on the wall, up on a shelf. Yeah, that's right. So that's the reason why I, I thought to myself the salt and pepper shakers was was one of them from I there. Josh, my, you know what? Do you have do you have any on your list? I have. Ooh, it's two legs. It's oh, two wow. legs. Two legs. So Megan's just showing for the audio. Early says <laughs> she's showing us literally two bent female legs with white boots. <laughs> yeah, they both got white, and then and you can then put the, the legs. You, you can put. <laughs> Oh, it comes and the salt and pepper comes out of the knee of the leg because it's bent up. Now you can place them together like a lady or a, a part, and yeah. it looks a bit more, you know, provocative. But anyway, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me of what my grandmother from Iowa says about salt and pepper shakers. She's mm-hmm. like, when you pass them, when somebody says pass the salt, she says they're married. You never pass one without the other. You always keep them together so if you really want to mess things up in that museum you would just like start separating all the shakers Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be horrible that would be that'd be a a, it'd be a sin (laughs) a nightmare (laughs) according to my grandmother all right next one next council council bluff iowa Mm -hmm. uh, council bluffs iowa which is uh, right across the border from omaha nebraska which we have actually talked about a little bit on this podcast before (laughs) never heard of this before the squirrel cage jail yes so it is what it is what it sounds like uh, so i tell people it is a if you took a jail and you put it on a lazy susan and so from the outside okay. it looks like a normal brick building on the inside you walk in and it is a circular like cylinder jail okay. that is three stories and the jail cells are pie pieces and it is on a lazy susan so it rotates around and so there is only one entrance on each floor and then once you're in there it rotates around and you are oh. suspended in your jail cell uh what locked in you in can't a t- you can't get out until it goes back around to the door wait for you. yeah you can walk into it it's it's for humans yes it's not yeah, for it, squirrels it is not for, it's squirrels. Not for squirrels no it is built with the same <laughs> mechanism as a squirrel oh, cage a squirrel but it cage. is oh. a same, jail the same way <laughs> mm-hmm. you thought you thought it was a jail for squirrels Josh. <laughs> i was like all, all i was imagining was you i was imagining you go to a park in council bluffs and all of a sudden you see a squirrel jail Jails for squirrels. <laughs> no so it is yeah it is a it was a jail for humans um for like <laughs> many many uh, many years until i I want to say like the 1960s 1969 it was decommissioned so like probably okay. longer than it should have been um but it was built in the 1880s and this was like a a good idea in theory that someone had mm-hmm. because it was like less staff more secure whatever <laughs> um in practice it has some flaws that i think you get to pretty quickly in the thought process which are like uh, a lazy Susan needs to be balanced. And so it was pretty easy for it oh, to become yeah. off balance. And so the gears would get stuck. So people would get stuck. Oh, in... Especially if you got a guy my size in one side and a guy Josh's size in the other. So right. It's... So you'd have to like really balance out people. And like, so that was a big problem. I mean, people's limbs, as you can imagine, 
maybe oh, would get no. stuck. Um, so there's Jeez. some pr- pretty grisly stories that way. Um, and mm-hmm. it was operational for, yeah, like I said, I mean, decades and decades. Um, it's currently one of the only remaining ones. So there was one, I believe, in Missouri and one in Indiana. Um, this is the only one that was three stories. I think those ones were like one or two stories. Uh, but yeah, a really weird and interesting piece of history. And today it's a museum. So you wow. can go and see wow. it and walk in. They do a ton of like paranormal investigation stuff, as you can imagine. Uh, it's oh yeah, it's a little spooky. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a really unique, interesting thing that like from the outside, and it's kind of set back from the street, like in downtown. So like unless you know it's there, you're gonna walk by it every day and have no idea yeah. that it's a so unless unless a there's jail. a geocache there. Or unless there you might could be, be. You, you, or you get Megan's book. That's the only way you're actually going to yeah. know. So mm-hmm. Either yeah. if you're not a geocacher, you got to go out and buy Megan's book. So that's all. well. And if you are a geocacher, buy Megan's book and place a cache there for other geocachers. There, there you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm just relieved to know that there's not serious squirrel criminal activity happening. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they didn't need to Council build Bluffs. a jail for all of the squirrel crime that was happening. <laughs> they're, not, they're not sharing their nuts. They're yes, not sharing their nuts. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. My next one, Josh, is Snake Alley in mm-hmm. Burlington. Snake oh. Alley. Being from Australia, I enjoy the you know snake yeah. or two. So yes. is uh, it really about the snakes? Uh, so there are no actual snakes. So it is named because oh. of the shape of the street. Um, and oh. so it was oh. named by Ripley's Believe It or Not as the um, crookedest street in America. And so it oh. technically has uh, tighter turns than Fremont Street in San Francisco. And yeah, it I is, say, I've, I've been to San Francisco and I've been up that street. Yeah. yeah so it is, it is a like brick lined. Um, it has, well, let me see if I can remember five and a half, half, five half curves <clears throat> and two quarter curves. And so you can actually still drive on it. Um, mm. in, in the good weather in the winter, you cannot, uh, but in the good weather going down and it is, it essentially connects like the upper kind of nice home neighborhood of Burlington to the downtown area. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was modeled off of like vineyard paths in Europe. They wanted it to look really oh. like upscale. Um, and so built this what has been called Snake Alley because it looks like and, a, a And here I was snake. thinking that it'd be a little taste of home for me, but no. No, not so much. They do <laughs> just have filled, filled with snakes. Yeah, they do have every year a um a bike uphill bike race that that is oh, part of the course wow. is biking up. And it's I mean it's brick like lines, so I can only imagine mm. how tricky and slippery that is. Oh my gosh, Megan, that reminds me of Ragbri. Mm-hmm. Ragbri. Oh, yeah. So, Craig, there's a bike ride mm-hmm. every summer across Iowa, and yeah. they take a different – across the long way. And they take a different route every year. So yes. this is just a great way to hit many different uh, small towns, and they're just full of them in Iowa, um, through a bike ride across Iowa. I've always wanted to do it. Um, have, have you, has, have you have experienced Ragbri? It. I have. So this was actually the 50th year of Ragbri this past year. Really? It's always wow. the last um, week in July. And so they did a route that was very similar to the first year route this year, which meant that it came through Des Moines. Um, And so there was an Ames to Des Moines day that I was thinking about riding. Uh, And then it was very, very warm. And I had been traveling Mm. and not on my bike a lot this summer. So I decided maybe that wasn't my (laughs) best idea. But yeah, it stands for the the Register, which is our newspaper in Des Moines. The Register's annual great bike ride across Iowa. 
which is Rack Rack. Rye. Um, and they start on the Western. Of course it's an acronym. Yes, they start on the Western border and they go to the Eastern border in the span of a week. And it is, I always tell people, um, it is a, like, if you like to bike a lot or you like to day drink a lot or you can handle being hot and camping, it is for you. Um, because that is essentially what you do. There's always a day that's a century ride. So it'll be like a hundred mile one day ride. Um, and yeah, you bike from tiny town to tiny town and along the way they'll have, you know, street parties and pie and all the things. Um, so like in Des Moines, the overnight here, I think was Leonard Skinner actually in like one of our downtown parks where everybody camped. And like, I mean, it is like, I think they said the Ames to Des Moines day, there was more than 50,000 people that rode this year. So it is a major, major time, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Yes. It's like a traveling gig event. Yeah. Yeah. Just like like these little towns just get. <laughs> yes. Oh, it is. Are, the balloon and, and of being, it is insane. Yeah. 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 It's just, and it's crazy. Food trucks will travel. Like people will take like, you know, their food truck and travel along the route or the way a lot of people do it that I was like, this might be my my way to do rag bride is to have like a essentially like a school bus or like a big like rv and so if you decide and you have someone who drives along with you and like sets up your camp or you decide like you don't want to ride anymore you, the bus just picks <laughs> you up and then you can just like hop from town to town and bike at your leisure because that sounds better in the last week of july that does sound it was much very better. warm this year <laughs> So, Craig, I don't know if we're mm. going to be able to get to all of these. We might have to have no. Megan back on the sh- I'll think, on the I'll show. Think of the same thing. I was thinking the same thing because I am just I'm just digging this. I'm loving this. I'm looking at yeah. the notes. There's lots, but uh, There's lots do we have to go. do we have time to cover a couple more? So, Josh, let's do two more for this, and then we'll do a part two with Megan in in two weeks' time. What do you think? That sounds like a great idea. I love awesome, it. Awesome, awesome. Will you pick you pick one more? Will you pick one more? What, what's right. on your list, Josh? What's on your the list? The Cardiff, the Cardiff Giant in yeah. Fort Dodge, Iowa. What is a what is a Cardiff Giant? So it is named for Cardiff, New York. Um, okay. But the Cardiff Giant was uh, essentially he is like a famous hoax, and this is actually a, okay. re- a reproduction of him. Um, so there was a man in the like 1860s who was visiting his sister in Iowa. His name was George Hall. And it was the time when there was like lots of like revivalist preaching and some of the like, like things that people were talking about kind of that age of like early circus, a lot of the like paranormal things like seances that people were doing. Um, and so one of the things that people were talking extensively about was giants. And so he visited Fort Dodge, um, saw this revivalist preacher speak and was like, man, this guy is making a ton of money. I want to like, number one, expose this, but also figure out how to capitalize on it. Um, And so he decided he was in Fort Dodge and one of the, um, main exports of Fort Dodge at the time was gypsum, which is like a limestone rock. Um, but it's like very sandy looking and has like this beautiful blue veining in it that he thought like, okay. Oh, this could look like skin. Um, <laughs> and so he, he got a piece of the stone mined and quarried. Um, and he had a artist, I believe out of Chicago at the time um, carve a fake giant out of the stone to that he was going to discover on accident um, as a petrified giant. 
And so oh. he had this giant <laughs> sculpture created, had it shipped to New York, and they buried it in a field. And then he mm. paid some guys who were helping a farmer like dig a well to find it and be like, look at this <laughs> oh great gosh. discovery. <laughs> and so it was, I mean, he, it, it worked. He was making boatloads of money, charging people like a dollar a piece to come see this of archaeological course. find. Um, there's a Mark Twain article. There's a couple actually Mark Twain articles and maybe even a short story about it. Um, P.T. Barnum wanted to buy it from him and he was like, absolutely not. So P.T. Barnum created his own fake version of it <laughs> that you can still see somewhere. Um, the original one is still in New York. I believe it's in Cooperstown at a museum um, okay. but because of the connection to Fort Dodge and the fact that like the stone originally came from there. It's always been a part of the local history there. And so they actually had a local artist um, get some gypsum and create a, a reproduction of the reproduction, the fake, um, <laughs> the to have the their fake own, of the, fake. the fake of the fake, to have their <laughs> own version of it. And so you can go see that uh, in Fort Dodge at the Fort Dodge Museum. And it Only is, in America, Josh. Yeah, oh, I'm looking so at the funny. pictures. Yes. I'm looking at the pictures it's, right now, and it's just kind of like a, yeah, it's just a stone man. Kind of looks like an alien. It does kind of look, you. yeah, it does kind of look like an alien. Um, they have added a leaf for modesty, I see that. which is very funny um, because he is, yeah, but it's, uh, and some of the historical pictures too are like a real hoot of them like discovering it. And oh yeah, so that's, that's one that is like some fun folklore. For and sure. the actors that's as well, they, they, they'll be acting the whole time like, oh, what yeah, is this? What is like, this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow! Mm-hmm. Only only in America where you fake something just for the for for money. Yeah, like, just for really. The there's no other country in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta love it. You gotta I love know. it. Well, going from the going from the large things, and the last one we're going to talk about in this episode itself is the world's largest garden gnome. Yeah, and he is actually That's... I my caveat is he's the world's largest concrete garden gnome. I should have put that in oh, there. Oh, that's very important. It is. You can't miss that detail. Yes. As, Do not miss that. As with many <laughs> world's largest things, there are there is specificity to it. Um, yes, so, nuances. Yes, nuances for sure. So he is the world's largest concrete garden gnome. Um, his name is Elwood, and you can find him in Ames at Ryman Gardens. Uh, so that is a really, really fun one. He's super, super cute. Um, and they put him in for like an anniversary of Earth Day. But it's like a, I think he's 18 feet tall and he's just like very, what what you think of when you picture like your stereotypical garden gnome. Uh, but while they were building him, they uh, learned that there was a, um, another gnome being built that was like, they had oh, already cast oh. the concrete and learned that there was another one being built um, that was slightly taller. I think he's he's 15 feet. This one I think is 18 feet. And so they decided like, well, it's named, it's built with something else. So we will just go with, uh, it's concrete. concrete. And that is how they um, didn't, they didn't put like stiletto heels or, or no, up his boots if or... you look at a photo of him, he's very bottom heavy, uh, yeah. and has a really pointy he's... hat already. And so yes. I don't know that you would have made uh, up the additional three feet in an easy way. That's yes. fair enough. He's That's very bulbous. Yes. I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, he's, he's not, adorable. He's very cute. He's got a little trowel and some flowers. And uh, if you go visit, an additional secret is there is a little sign that has his name. It says like, oh, we're world's largest gnome. And then there's like a little 
carrot with concrete in there. So they've kind of poked fun <laughs> at it. Uh, but on somewhere around that sign, there is an additional mini bonus gnome that you can find. If oh, you, what? If you know what to oh, look bonus. for. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a geocache, Craig. Yes. It does. It does. Like a little bonus geocache. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The is, it hidden, I like it. is it hidden in plain sight? Yes. And you just have mm-hmm. to... F- Oh, yeah. it's Ooh. on him. It's, it's on, on it's body? near the sign. Near the sign. Oh, it's near the sign. So there you go. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's I know, fun. I know. Well, thank you so much for everything, uh, Megan. And stick with, stick around, stick with us because we're going to go into part two very, very soon. But Josh, I was just thinking as well, we're talking about, we've got a Patreon uh, group of people. Uh, we very appreciate them a, a lot. Now, Josh, Patreon, yes. we're going to talk about Patreon first before we end the show. But I've thought about something. I haven't even run this past you because I just thought about it then. For any new Patreons or for any any of our Patreons itself, as of the end of the part two of this, so the end of part two of this, if you're a Patreon, you have a chance to win one of Megan's books. hey There you go. There you go. So end I of part that. two. So if you're listening to this, this is part one. Okay. Yeah, get in now. Get in now. Make sure you become a Patreon because you've got two weeks before the draw for one of Megan's books. So there you go. What, what, what else can we say about Patreon, Josh? Uh, we really appreciate your support of our podcast. Uh, by supporting us, you'll help us create even better content, having awesome shows like this one with mm-hmm. Megan. And I'm just going to say it, Craig, this mm-hmm. might be my favorite show so far. Oh, yeah. I'm really loving it. That's and I'm excited. You're an Iowan. <laughs> yeah, but and I'm just amazed. It just it's the spirit of this podcast is like mm-hmm. there's so many things that I didn't even know. And I mm-hmm. I know quite a bit about Iowa, which is pretty awesome. So uh, to keep this going, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash treasures of our town. Yes. And so obviously next episode, Josh is part two of this one here right now. Um, and so how can people find us as well? Well, of course, they can find us at um, Treasures of Our Town Podcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So, Megan, thank you so much for being on our show. I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed our conversation. And please go out and get Megan's book, Secret yeah. Iowa. You can you can get it, I'm sure, on your website mm-hmm. or Amazon or wherever books are sold. I know I'm gonna get some one for myself, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a couple more for my Iowan. Um, family as well because they're going to read through it. Grandma, Grandma's going to read through it. She's going to be go. like, "Oh my gosh, I never knew that that existed." And you know why she didn't know? Because it was a secret. But it's a secret no more because Megan has revealed it. Spoiler alert! <laughs> so that's it for our show today, guys. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting app. And as always, Josh, may your travels lead you to the most unexpected and amazing hidden gems around the world. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.